1: Hello and welcome back to the Statman Dave Football Podcast. This is episode 20. We've made it. We have made it to episode 20. Thanks for listening, guys, so far or watching on YouTube. Number 20, reminiscent of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the fantastic Manchester United-Norwegian forward. But anyway, today we're going to talk on the news, then move on to Rostov versus Manchester United in the Europa League, then touch on some of the Europa League clashes, whilst then finishing off with your questions. So, let's get this party started. So first up, let's talk the news. Harry Kane, named as Player of the Month for February, a fantastic February for Harry Kane, who's directly involved in five goals in February. No Premier League player managed more. In terms of other news, Pep Guardiola grabs the Manager of the Month award. Uh, you know, probably deserved. In terms of Manchester City, they managed to keep two clean sheets in the month of February, winning three out of three of their Premier League games. But more importantly, tactically, City are back to their best, dropping back to the 4-3-3 that Pep Guardiola did so well at the start of the season. Giving the two free eight rolls back to David Silva and, of course, Kevin De Bruyne, City look like they're, they're probably one of the only sides that will be able to challenge Chelsea for the title. In other news, 10 years ago today, a 19-year-old Messi scored his first ever hat-trick for Barcelona against no one other than Real Madrid, was a brilliant talent there and has showed that and become a footballing legend. Right, anyway guys, let's talk about the Europa League. First up, we've got to discuss Rostov versus Manchester United. All the talk before the game was about the dodgy pitch and quite frankly, as soon as kickoff came, it was, uh, you know, we know why... Mourinho was getting so annoyed the pitch was atrocious the centre of park of the pitch was pretty much impossible to play on and that is why Jose Mourinho went with the 3-5-2 pretty much ma- matched Rostov's formation Rostov obviously you know, got a lot of glory out of this 3-5-2 the very direct side but arguably it's because the pitch is so poor and teams can't play through them as soon as Rostov got the ball they transitioned it very quickly to the front in fact that's what Manchester United did it was a perfect game plan executed by Jose Mourinho and the players it was Sim when the defenders had the ball they didn't dwell on it they just got rid they cleared the ball into the channels to look for the likes of Paul Pogba Zlatan Irimic or Marouane Fellaini and it worked very very well it enabled United not to get broke on there was no turnovers in Manchester United's defensive third to allow Rostov to break quickly and get shots away in terms of the goal they scored a very good goal with Marouane Fellaini picking up a long ball on his chest flicking it onto Zlatan Irimic Zlatan was some fantastic work to the byline cuts it back Mikitarian, goal time In terms of the last seven games, Mkhitaryan has been fantastic. He's been directly involved in six goals in his last seven games, scoring four goals and getting two assists, but another brilliant performance in terms of his composure. It was difficult for the United attackers to get into the game because they're all very uh, ball-playing, dribbling, uh, you know, players in terms of when Anthony Martial replaced Henrik Mkhitaryan, he just couldn't get the look of the bounce, he couldn't get a sniff of the ball and unfortunately it was a poor quality pitch that cost a decent game of football over in Rostov on Don in terms of Paul Pogba as well, was quite disappointing on the ball but did quite well off the ball in terms of tackles, won more than any other player on the pitch, winning 100% of them Another interesting stat for Manchester United was their back three. I mentioned the Mourinho game plan. In the first half, their pass accuracies were ridiculous. Jones completing only 60% of his passes. Rojo, 52% of his passes. And in fact, Chris Smalling with only 41% of his passes. Absolutely rubbish. In terms of Rostov, they were a pretty basic side. They looked to go long quite quickly. Um, Their goal was pretty much a ball out of the back, a, a simple ball out from front to back. Uh, that big striker controlled it on his chest, one touch, bang, goal. A great goal, didn't touch the floor, and that's what he had to do on this very dodgy pitch. But United getting a crucial away goal over in Russia that will take them through uh, to potentially the next round of the Europa League. You know, brilliant, crucial away goal. Could see United absolutely battering these guys over back at Old Trafford with a bigger pitch, um, with a you know, a carpety pitch that can actually do a few skills on and so forth. This Rostov team, I don't think, will have enough for Manchester United, but a quality away uh, result for Jose Mourinho's men. Anyway, moving on to other Europa League clashes. Lyon faced up against Roma um, at the the new Lyon Stadium that was opened in the European Championships. Quite an interesting game. Uh, Roma taking a surprise 2-1 lead uh, after around 20 minutes with uh, Sala capitalising on a poor defensive error from the Lyon center back uh, And then, of course, Fazio scoring from a you know move after a set piece with Daniel De Rossi grabbing an assist. How old is he now? Nobody knows. Been playing football for so long. But also in terms of um, Lyon, they got back into the game. Tolisso scored a cracker. Uh, Fakir took a, a ball down in the penalty area, cut him towards his stronger left foot. Fantastic one wonderful curled shot into the back of the net but also in terms of Lacazette what a goal he scored a brilliant, brilliant finish and also his celebration was wonderful he cracked it in from about 30 yards on the half volley top left corner Lacazette is one of the most talented forwards in the world and I can't believe nobody's picked him up yet Um, probably going to be leaving Lyon in the summer any team would be getting an absolute superstar there, but it takes uh, an interesting game in the Stadio Olimpico, and I'd recommend watching that second leg. Um, you know, the game is wide open four two, isn't it? The game is not over. Roma grab a goal. Leon will get nervy, but I imagine goals in this second leg as well. But anyway, moving on to the other game, United fans potentially need to be worried about. Uh, of course, it's Schalke playing against Gladbach. An interesting game as well. Pretty boring game. Uh, Gladbach scoring an opening goal. Some brilliant move from Lars Stindl playing a free ball and grabbing the assist. Schalke equalising later on, but it won all uh, advantage to Gladbach, who will take Schalke back to their home ground and probably will give them a beating but in terms of those other, you know, other players, uh, Copenhagen beat Ajax two goals to one. Kasper Dolberg's got a wonderful improvised finish. Make sure you go and check that goal out if you haven't. But United, looking like uh, you know, the, they, they should be winning this tournament. They should be getting that position um, in the Champions League next season through the Europa League. Again, dominant in this tournament. And players like Henrik Mkhitaryan really looking good. Anyway, time to move on to the question. So first up, the best question of the week, which we're going to spend a bit of time speaking about, comes in from the Violent Citizen. At Statman Dave, name your Premier League team of the season so far. With two-thirds of the Premier League season already completed, I thought, why not get a team together? So, let's start off with the manager. So, the manager of the season so far, of course, has got to be Antonio Conte. Switching from a, sort of a 4-5-1 to a 3-4-3 has really pushed Chelsea on to be one of the contenders for the Premier League title. With their lead at the top, they look like they're going to be lifting the silverware in May. So we're going to set up with a 3-4-3. Three, three. Our goalkeeper, of course, is going to be Hugo Lloris. The Tottenham stopper has been in great form this season. And has arguably kept Tottenham in a number of games and rescued a number of points. In terms of the recent games, the game against Liverpool... Hloris kept the game respectable by himself. He made three wonderful saves, two coming from Saido Mani. The reactions, the ability of him just lifting a hand out of nowhere to make the stop was fundamentally brilliant. But also with the ball at his feet, he gets the Tottenham's attack started from deep. And that is why he's been one of the best players this season in the Premier League for Tottenham Hotspur. His ability to spread the play, get the passes to the likes of Vertonghen to Alderweireld from the back to allow them to build the base has been crucial to Tottenham's play. In terms of cleaning up as well behind their back line, Tottenham this season play with a really high line like they have done under, under Pochettino over the last few years. And it's key that Lloris gets off his line quickly and sweeps up in behind. In fact, only Claudio Bravo has come off his line and swept up the ball more than Hugo Lloris, which is credit to his ability as a goalkeeper but also as an all-round footballer. And that is, of course, why he is the goalkeeper of our team of the season so far. Moving on to defence, we've got to pick three centre-backs. But unfortunately, I can't look further than Stamford Bridge. They have been fantastic defensively. Equator, David Luiz and, of course, Gary Cahill have been phenomenal in the Premier League, all adding a slightly different aspect to this Chelsea back three. First, Equator has been brilliant with the ball at his feet. In terms of passes, he's completed more passes than any other defender in the Premier League. But also, he's completed more forward passes than any other defender in the Premier League. So he's not looking square, he's not looking safe, he's looking to get Chelsea through the thirds. He's looking to find the likes of Eden Hazard, Cesc Fabregas, Angulo Conte, uh, even Pedro, Victor Moses. But he's been very positive with the ball at his feet and he's given Chelsea that balance. In terms of what he's done as well, he's carried the ball over distance. Given that he used to be a right-back and also a left-back, it allows him to, to attack into that space and it was summed up by his assist that he got for Diego Costa in the game in the Premier League against Sunderland. He drove through the centre of the park, whipped a ball to the back post and Costa did the rest, heading the ball past um, Pickford in the Sunderland goal. But it really opened up the game for Chelsea and that's what Aspilicueta's done. When Chelsea haven't got a lead, it all, it all goes through the Spanish... Um, full-back slash centre-half. All the play goes to him. He's dictating it from the back and that's why he gives Chelsea such a great base from centre-half. Moving to his partner, of course, David Louise. I laughed at the signing from PSG in the summer. I didn't understand what Conte was um, signing. A player that's been so inconsistent positionally is awful. All those, uh, All those things, all those negatives before this season have been absolutely eradicated by Conte. Luiz is mature. He's commanding. He's uh, organising the offside line. He's just being an absolute defensive boss in the middle. In terms of uh, clearances, interceptions, and tackles in the penalty area, no Chelsea player has won more than, of course, David Luiz. He's been brilliant at sweeping up when uh, you know when the fullbacks or the wingbacks, should we say, have been breached. David Luiz is always the guy clearing the ball at the near post and getting the ball rid it's a mature of David Luiz a maturing player that has cost a lot of money in his career but finally we're seeing why all that money has been spent on the Brazilian moving on to the other player in this back three of course is Gary Cahill in terms of uh, what the other two players do with uh, David Luiz's last ditch defending Aspil Equator's ball playing Gary Cahill is the guy that is the physical powerhouse in terms of when teams go long against Chelsea, David Luiz and uh, Aspilicueta drop back and tuck in and Gary Cahill meets the ball. Aerially, he's been brilliant. He's won more, won more aerial duels than any other Chelsea player in the Premier League this season. And that is the role that he plays on his side. Uh, his game against Andy Carroll recently against West Ham was brilliant. He absolutely bullied the Englishman. Andy Carroll's a guy that West Ham, you know, can build attacks from, but Gary Cahill just wasn't letting that happen. He was so physical with him, whether the ball was aer- aerially or at his feet, destroyed him. And that is why Chelsea's back three get in my team of the season because they have got all the aspects to be one of the best best back threes in the footballing world. Moving on to wing back, of course, we've got to talk about. The left wing-back first, and that is, of course, Mikel Alonso. Alonso has been a great signing, one of the best signings in the Premier League this season. What he's given Chelsea is great energy down the left-hand side, but also getting on the end of a number of counter-attacks. In fact, he scored more goals than any other wing-back in Europe's top five leagues. Scored four goals, coming in crucial moments of crucial games. You think of the goal he scored against Arsenal. A great counter-attack coming down the, the right-hand side, switch to the left, and of course Alonso is waiting there and you know sweeping the ball home. He's also been dangerous from set pieces this season, scored a cracking free kick with his left foot, something that, that's in his locker and has been since his days at Fiorentina. But what he gives this Chelsea team is he gives them great balance. With Eden Hazard at um, playing as the left winger or the left attacker.
0: Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable.
1: in the 3-4-3, it's it's the job of both Gary Cahill and uh, Alonso to pretty much defensively govern that flank. The system pretty much breaks down to a 3 5 2 with Alonso uh, joining the, the rest of the midfielders and Gary Cahill um, sitting back and arguably picking up the opposition's right midfielder. If Alonso picks up the fullback, um, Cahill picks up the wide player, and of course it leaves Eden Hazard free to counter attack. And that's why Chelsea's system is so beautiful, because players like Gary Cahill and Alonso are really balancing the team defensively. Moving on to the other hand side, we've got to go with Carl Walker, the best right wing back or right back in the Premier League this season, where they're playing in a 4 2 3. 3-1 and adding the width in the final third from fullback or playing as a wingback in a 3-4-2-1 for Pochettino this season, the England international has taken his game to the next level. In terms of his decision making in that final third, it's got a lot better. He makes the right decision whether to hit the byline and cross uh, the ball back, cut it back or cross from deep. But arguably, in a few games this season, he's taken on both the opposition's left-back and left-winger and beaten them and got assists for Tottenham Hotspur. In terms of assists, he's registered more assists than any other Premier League defender, picking up five assists and, more crucially, adding that width on that right-hand side for Pochettino's narrow, impressive attack. Moving on to the two central midfielders, this midfield is going to have energy and aggression. First up, N'Golo Kante, who's been brilliant since moving to the Premier League from Coles. First up uh, for Leicester, winning the Premier League there, then moving to Chelsea and probably winning another Premier League title. In terms of the stats, they are fantastic. Since joining the Premier League, Kante has won more tackles than any other player, made more interceptions than any other player, but also won more points than any other player. In fact, if Kante was a team, he'd be top of the Premier League right now in the last two seasons with 143 points. Wonderful, wonderful play. But what he is as a midfielder in this Chelsea two-man midfield with Matic is he plays two roles. He's both the destroyer and the recycler of possession. Only Aspilicueta equators completed more passes than the uh, French international but also in terms of tackles you know he wins everything so both he can pressure the opposition he can drop back he can win the ball back and then chip it to one of the you know his more attacking teammates be it César Fabregas if he's on the pitch or of course Eden Hazard but his work rate the ground that he covers is just fantastic and makes him perfect for this team of the season 3-4-3. In terms of his partner I think we've got to look at the most underrated player in the Premier League this season and that is Ole Ole Ander Herrera he has been brilliant whether it's on the ball, whether it's not on the ball. In terms of that, he sets the tempo. His press for United is fantastic. He's the first player that jumps out of the system. United sit deep in their 4-5-1 or the 4-4-1-1, uh, depending on what system they're playing. And then when he sees an opportunity, when he sniffs a moment to intercept the ball, he's the guy jumping out the formation. You think of the assist he got for Mikitaryan against Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. It was a lovely jump, intercepted the ball from Harry Kane, played a through ball, goal time for Manchester United. That's happened a few times this season where he's jumped out, intercepted the ball, given it to an attacker and United have scored. Think of the game against Leicester, the City. quick ball to Henrik Mkhitaryan. Mkhitaryan to Zlatan. Zlatan to Anthony Martial. Goal time. So crucial to United with the ball as well. You think about how recently he's been drifting quite well to sort of a right midfield zone to play crosses into the box. The assist he got in the AFL Cup final for of course Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Without him in the side, United lacked that intensity, that aggression and that is why he's the most underrated player in the Premier League. In terms of interceptions, in the opposition half he's made more than any other player winning the ball back 19 times. It's obviously gear the counter-attack. Ander Herrera, brilliant display this season in the Premier League. On to the front three, I think we've got to go with Eden Hazard on the left-hand side. Eden Hazard this season for Chelsea has been their fulcrum in attack. He's been their playmaker. They play with two sort of box-to-box or aggressive shuttling midfielders in Matic and Kante, which leaves a massive creative... place that someone needs to fill, and that is Eden Hazard. He drifts brilliantly from the left wing into number 10, onto the right-hand side as a striker, wherever he want to go. He's back to his best. He scored 11 goals in the Premier League this season, which is the most of any midfielder. But also in terms of his take-ons, he's back to the best Eden Hazard. He's completed more in the final third than any other Premier League player. In fact, 23 more, which is incredible, considering the numbers Eden Hazard has got this season. In terms of his passes in the final third, he's back to the classic Eden Hazard best. But more importantly, he's back doing his mazy runs. The goal he scored against Arsenal was fantastic. Classic Eden Hazard. In terms of the right-hand side, we're going to throw in Alexis Sanchez there. He hasn't really played on the right-hand side this this season for uh, Arsenal. He's played more of a striker, more of a false nine, more of a guy that's scoring the goals, but also vacating the space and allowing players like Meza Ozil and Theo Walcott to have their best goal-scoring career uh, seasons of their career so far. In terms of Arsenal, Mezit scored more goals this season than he's managed in his entire Arsenal career. In terms of Theo Walcott as well, the best Premier League uh, goals-to-game ratio he's got. Uh, in terms of all competitions, he scored 0.58 goals per game, which is the best of his career. If he keeps up this record, he'll have his best goal-scoring uh, season, beating the, the season where he scored 21. 21- goals in all competitions but Alexis Sanchez for Arsenal this season he is the fulcrum he is the hub he scored more goals than any other player got more assists than any other Arsenal player created more chances and of course played more through balls Alexis Sanchez back to his best football that he's ever played in his career and that is why he's going to get pushed out to that right hand side Uh, which he could play very well in this 3-4-3 if you think about how Chelsea play you know the two wide players do come narrow when in possession of the ball so Sanchez Azar combining very well through the middle there's going to be no one other than Hurricane Harry Kane who this season again has stepped up scored 19 goals in the Premier League more than any other player but just how important he's been for Tottenham Hotspur in the last few seasons was sort of shown when he was out with injury Tottenham couldn't buy a goal they couldn't buy a win in the Premier League as soon as he came back back pushing for that Premier League title and Harry Kane and Tottenham are probably one of the only teams other than Manchester City that could really push this Chelsea team whether it's playing in a 4-2-3-1 as the focal point as the striker or a 3-4-2-1 that he's played Harry Kane is so good at getting his teammates involved in the play, linking with them 1-2's or drifting deep, getting his head up and putting balls into the back of the net trademark goal for Harry Kane, picking out the bottom corners and that is what he's done again in the Premier League so far, the best forward for me, the top goal scorer, the Hurricane of course it's Harry Kane and that in fact is the team of the season for you, you, you guys so far we're going to go through it again from front to back in goal we've got Hugo Lloris we've got a Chelsea back three of Equator David Louise and of course Gary Cahill right wing back Carl Walker left wing back of course uh, Alonso into midfield uh, Ander Herrera and Guru Kante a front three of Eden Hazard Alex Sanchez and of course Harry Kane what a team that is so of course that was my team of the season so far make sure you tweet me at Statman Dave to get in any suggestions you think I've missed out on to some more questions Carlos got Zaldeva sends in um, pick a five-a-side team of players that you've seen live I've been lucky enough to see some wonderful players so I'm going to go with Kaká Ronaldo Messi Gattuso and of course Edwin van der Sar I think that team's got aggression skills and a wonderful goalkeeper Moving on to other questions. Uh question in from uh, BaxTom on Twitter at BaxTom. Which national team has the biggest future? Uh, look at their talent and their system well for me it's definitely going to be France the wealth of young attacking potential midfield potential defensive players you got in there is ridiculous you know if we think of their team in a few years you could even have Hugo Lloris in goal he's got a lot of his career to go uh, players like Mttiti partnering Rafa Varane uh, Mendy on one flank maybe Sidibe on the other at fullback. into midfield you've got so many good players in there Bakayoko Paul Pogba um, Taliso it's just a, you know a wonderful, wonderful talent. Rabiot, uh, into midfield, Lamar, Martial, Fekir, Coman, Dembele, so much talent. Then up top, what, Lacazette, Griezmann, Dembele, Mbappe. There's just, they've got everything there. But unfortunately, I think for France, they need to get a better coach. They need to get a coach that can get the best out of these young players. I don't think it's Didier Deschamps for me. Fluff the Euros, um, only you know, stumbled on the 4-2-3 one with Griezmann off Olivier Giroud. Um, against Iceland. You know, we should have been playing that formation for the whole tournament. So it's going to be an interesting one. I think they need to, to unlock that potential. They need a new manager. Moving on to Andy uh, Manser's question. What inspired you to get involved in, in soccer analysis? Well, I think, honestly, it's Football Manager. Football Manager got me involved with football and then being a United season ticket holder, seeing the wonderful team of uh, 2006 to 2011 play, the different uh, teams that came to play United. It just it just got me so in- involved and interested in tactics and football. And again, watching you know BT Sport has opened up my mind to a lot of different football as well, Serie A, the Bundesliga and so forth. So yeah, I'd say Football Manager was the reason why I'm in soccer analysis or football. Analysis to anyone from England. Moving on to Mahidar's question. Mahidar, banging the questions in once again. Thanks again, Mahidar. Uh, video referrals, yes or no for me? Yes, but I'd say that they've got to have a defined time. So you're looking at something like uh, you know 10 to 15 seconds because you don't want to kill the tempo of the game. And that's unfortunately what could happen if it was like a 30 second review. So I think that the referee official needs to be real time. Get a decision over to the referee as soon as possible. Moving on to Gabrielle's question, where do you think um, Sanchez would fit at uh, Juve or any other player, teams you play for? Where would he play? I did a great analysis on Sanchez on Tuesday, so make sure you go and check out episode 17 of the Man Dave football podcast for that answer. Moving on to other questions... Um, from the, At The High Sparrow, are Jose Mourinho's tactics working? Yes, they are. I think they're definitely working. I think United's only problem is they're not taking their chances. There's a few chances that, you know, if Zlatan has an off day, nobody's really stepping up at the moment. And that is why they signing of Antoine Griezmann or an elite finisher to play in midfield is so crucial for United to challenge for the Premier League title next season. Moving on to Ashwing Singh's question at MUFC. Ashwing, thoughts on a midfield trio of Inzondi, Campbell and Pogba? Well, first up, where they, where's Ender Herrera? Where is he? Team of the season so far, will be in team of the season at the end. He's been brilliant. So I'd throw in Pogba, Herrera, Kevin Campbell. I don't think he's at the United standard if they want to go on to win the Premier League. I think he's a brilliant player, but he's good for your, you know, your top four team. But to win the Premier League, I don't think he's good enough. In Zonzi, 29 years old. I think there's other better players on the market. John Gibbons asks, if Isco leaves, were to leave Real Madrid, where do you think he should go? Uh, potentially could go to Manchester City, would fit at Juventus, would fit potentially Atletico Madrid. There's loads of teams at this code playing. What a wonderful play. You know, recently against Villarreal, came on, changed the game. What a performance there. Or even Manchester United, Chelsea, Arsenal, any team in the Premier League. One, one more question from uh, John Gibbons. If Mourinho to sign another centre-back in the summer, who would you like to see? Benucci, simple, best centre-back in world football right now for me. And to finish off with at question on Twitter, the best player you've seen live. For Manchester United, I think I'd have to say Cristiano Ronaldo or Paul Scholes um, or even Darren Fletcher. The work that lad used to put in was incredible. Even Manjevic, Rio Ferdinand I've seen so many wonderful players for Manchester United live. In terms of opponents, going to go with Kaká. Was wonderful. I saw him at his peak, peak cacao that made Patrick Severa Gabriel Hines, run into each other and look very, very silly. But that has been that guys for the 20th episode of the Statman Dave Football Podcast. Thanks for listening, thanks for watching. Subscribe to me on YouTube and on iTunes. Of course, check out check out iCast as well. And follow me on Twitter at Statman Dave. Have a wonderful weekend. See you guys on Monday. Over and out.